You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show, the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to call in, if you'd like to participate in the show, please feel free to do so. The phone number here is 608-501-0718. New callers go directly to the front of the line. We do have a new caller today. New caller, what's going on? Hey, Ryan. Uh, my name is Jason from Vancouver, Canada. What's up? Uh, haven't called in before. First time caller. just want to say, uh, it looks like Jordan Love is not as aggressive as I thought he was going to be. Uh, just looking back on Rogers' first year, uh, with Green Bay, you know, he was able to step in the pocket and deliver, you know, some bullets down the field, uh, you know, that showed some aggression, you know what I mean? So uh, when I'm watching Jordan Love, I see the pocket collapse, and he's not stepping into it. He's looking for a way out of it. But when he looks for a way out of it, he's looking out of it. It's too late. Uh, I just want to comment on that. Like, the velocity of the ball seems to be a bit high, and, uh, you know, I just noticed that um, – you know, he's not uh, not very um, aggressive out there. Uh, just if you look back on Rodgers' uh, first year, you can see a big difference in just the way they throw the ball, just from out the gate, you know. Anyways, you know, first-time caller, so uh, take care of the way. <sighs> yeah, I appreciate the call. Please uh, feel free to call back anytime. Um, as far as, I mean, use the word aggression. Uh, one of the specifics you mentioned, though, is kind of hanging in the pocket and... Um, you know, again, I, th- I think that and aggression and pretty much anything else you could say, a lot of those things I think we did see early on and even in preseason. You know, the ability to kind of hang in the pocket, don't get flustered, et cetera, et cetera, as well as just straight-up aggression, which is attacking down the field. We saw a lot of that, and and I think at least in insofar as the um, ability to hang in the pocket, that's certainly deteriorated. And sometimes it's beneficial because he can run, but you don't want to get into a situation where you're turning down plays because you feel like I can make something happen with your legs. That's when you get into sort of that Justin Fields territory or a lot of other guys who kind of use that as a crutch almost to say, no, I, I, I think I can I think I can do it. And, and now you really don't have a, a passing offense. Um, as far as the aggression, I think the aggression has been there. It just hasn't been executed. So, you know, statistically down the field, there's not much happening. But in terms of attempts and, and desire and want to to get down there, yeah, I think I think he's a fairly aggressive quarterback. We didn't see it this last week. Um, I mean, we saw a little of it, but it, with almost no success whatsoever. And then it just felt like it was a lot of run the ball and dink and dunk stuff. But um, over the course of the season, he's been one of the more aggressive quarterbacks. But again, in terms of actual production, how many actual plays have been completed down the field? He's, you know, I would say at best middle of the pack, potentially kind of low end, which again is really bad considering you have more attempts than almost any other quarterback down the field. So yeah, I I, I don't know. I mean, like everything else, I don't know whether I want things to continue because that's the offense that I want. It's the quarterback that I want and just hope that the ability matches the intensity or if I want things to kind of reel in. I talk a lot about that tomorrow on the podcast in terms of 
you know, what is the right answer? Do we dial back the offense because the guys can't can't do it, or do we kind of keep our foot on the gas and just say freaking man up and and you know get on my level kind of thing? Um, I don't know the right answer. My preference is to keep playing at a high level and and you know try to get guys up to that level, and if they can't replace them, but um, I don't know. I don't know the right answer, but that's I guess my best thoughts on the aggression so to speak. And I don't really remember Rodgers uh, back in the day. I, I try to picture what that looked like. I know I love the ball coming off his hand. Um, the velocity and whatnot was was always pretty impressive with him. And yeah, he's, I mean, he's a talented guy. There's no doubt about it. Especially early on, the accuracy was was pretty pinpoint with Rodgers, which was awesome. Um, so hopefully we get to see more of that from Jordan as, as time goes on because he has the ability. It's just it's we haven't really seen it on display, certainly not consistently. Aaron, this is Aaron, still on my football sabbatical, um, but I just decided to pop in and listen to one of your episodes of Hackner After Dark to kind of see what all the other fans were thinking about this last week, just to kind of wash the water down the drain, is, especially after Sunday happened and there was other football games, and the Bears still lost again. And I, I got to thinking, after listening to some of these other calls, do you know what some of these Packers fans are sounding like? The Bears fans over this last off season, yeah, right? unfortunately, like they are blaming the offensive line and are forgetting and are not looking at anything wrong being wrong with the quarterback. And trust me, I am the biggest Jordan Love fan in the world. Sorry, it's a little bit loud right now. I'm at work, but I'm the biggest Jordan Love fan in the world, and I will forever be behind him. And I. I'm rooting for him, and I'm going to keep, even if he turns out to not be the quarterback, I'm going to keep wearing his jersey. But hear me out. Like, let's say I, I have I have family who are, like, on, a, like, alcoholics, like, major, really bad alcoholics, and, peop, and I know people who are, in, like, addicts. I still love them. But they, they're doing a bad thing. And it's just, like, you have to acknowledge that. You can you can still love someone. You can still be behind someone without having to be like, oh yeah, you're doing everything right. And so it's Jordan Love did throw some bad passes in this last game, and it's been all season. And that's just how it's been going. But it's there's a difference between blindly being behind someone and not acknowledging it because you can't grow if you don't acknowledge the bad. And Thinking about it after this offseason, how you were bringing up how Matt Lafleur never really praised Jordan Love or gave him any credit, and maybe that's what he needed. He needed to be the underdog, and then he came out and started to look good, and people started giving him the credit, and he looked, and then he started getting it all in his head and thinking, "Oh yeah, I can be great," and not being good and trying to be great, and instead of just taking the easy passes and slowing things down a little bit, um, but. I have fully acknowledged Jordan Love has been not great, but he can get better. And you can only get better from here. So let's hope that that's the case. And at this point, who knows? But, yeah, I don't know. Um, it's sad to hear some of our Packers fans sounding like Bears fans. But what it, it, it's, I guess, fandom in general. So, um, okay. Bye. Yeah, I mean, it's just a matter of, whether we use the circumstances surrounding Jordan Love as an excuse or not, right? Like, it's it's really just, 
everybody acknowledges he didn't play well enough. It's just a matter of, do we say also these other people didn't play well, like Jordan and the offensive line and the wide receivers didn't do a great job? Or do we say Jordan Love didn't play well, but, you know, the the yeah buts? I don't say yeah but. It's he was bad, they were bad, they were bad. It's not an excuse. It's not a it's not a reason to you know dismiss or even lessen, right? It's just not. I mean, you can't play like that. Period. Well, he's young. Don't care. <laughs> don't care. I I I you know, whatever. I don't know. It's just it, it, people have different ways of looking at it, but I guess it just kind of comes down to a calculus. Um, for me, I had a certain percentage belief that he was going to be the guy, and then I saw something, and it went down. Now, other people might look at it and go, it didn't go down because that doesn't count because of all the other circumstances. Okay, well, that's your calculus, but it's not how mine works. It went down because I just expect better than that, so that's just how that goes. Hey Ryan, it's Nate. Um, I just wanted to call in because I I've been having this uh, this feeling, and I want to want to get your thoughts on it. Um, I I think the thing that's just making me so angry about this team is I came into this season so just like excited. I'm like, this is a new generation of Packers. This is a new team. We got a new quarterback. Everybody's so young on this team, and I was hoping to see. You know, what, what you see with the Lions and what you're even seeing with the Texans. Like, the Texans were, like, the, one of the worst teams in football last year. And now they're, like, rallying behind this young quarterback and this young coach. And they're, you know, they're winning games. You know, they're doing their best. Um, you know, are they, are they elite? Probably not. But I was hoping to see that. I was hoping to see that with this team. And it's, like, even week one, I, I was, like, we came out and we just kicked the living shit. And I was, like. This is what I wanted to see. This is I wanted to see this team rally behind each other, behind the coach. I wanted to see them execute, just play good football. And that's just that's what's so disappointing about where we are now. It's it's almost like we just collapsed in on ourselves, and and it's just we don't have that uh, that X factor, that like that blind faith that you know these young players have. It just like we keep coming out and we're we're flat. We're just playing flat like we were under Rodgers, and I thought it was Rodgers. I, I really did. I thought it was his pissy attitude. But apparently, regardless of what his pissy attitude is, this team just cannot rally behind each other, cannot get things going, cannot just have that blind faith and come out with piss and vinegar and play the game of football. Like I don't know. It's I don't know. Maybe it's not permanent. Maybe it's a one, you know, we just had a couple bad games. I don't know. But that's what's missing here. That's what I, I want to see, and I just I don't know if we're going to see it. Um, yeah, that's just kind of where I'm at. Go, Pat, go. Yeah, that was one of the realizations I kind of came to in tomorrow's podcast listening to Matt LaFleur is it seems like that's how he feels as well. And, and again, I'm trying to read between the lines, and maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it does feel like, you know, when, when asked, like, what what do you need or what do you want? I think the, the question directly was, what do you want from your guys coming out of their, their break, their buy? And essentially was like, I want to see some energy. I want to see some urgency. You know, it just, it sounded like a coach begging his team to give a crap. Um, And I, I agree. I mean, you're young guys. You should be much more highly motivated. You're, you're way too young to be jaded. Like, you lost a couple games. Who gives a crap? Freaking suck it up, dude. 
Like you, you can't get up in the morning for for this. You're you're a professional football player. You're, so, I mean, what seventy five percent of this team is is fighting for that first big contract, and you're going to sit here and not show up because your team isn't very. Who gives a crap? Do it for you. Do it for you. But yeah, I mean, there just seems to be this. Uh, you know, I, I, again, I've I've never gave Matt Lafleur any real high marks for being a rah rah guy, and I, and I don't think he is that guy. And not that I necessarily think it should all be on him. Um, I think it ultimately is. But I, I just I don't. I, again, I, I'm not a big fan of excuses, and I think that's BS to be like, well, I shouldn't be expected to have a good attitude because Matt Lafleur doesn't put on a good freaking, you know doesn't doesn't put on a good show for me up in front of the people or get me all fired up and juiced up like, i don't give a crap dude go on youtube and watch some motivational speech i don't give a crap what you need to do put on some music and get fired up get excited about a a 30 million dollar per year contract can you get up for that can you get motivated for that you freaking loser <laughs> oh my good lord i just uh you know, I mean, everybody gets a little bit down when you lose, and it's hard to have as much juice, that's fine, but to give up after a couple of bad games, which is what it feels like, you know, and, and again, why is everything going so far backwards, including some of the veterans? I don't I don't think it's just inexperience. I, I just, I think there's there's just a lack, lack of belief and a lack of energy, and, you know, maybe they don't believe in the coaches, maybe they don't believe in the quarterback, maybe they don't believe in themselves and each other, and, them, you know, I, I don't know. But I, I agree with the sentiment that we're not seeing 100% out of these guys lately, especially the last two weeks, uh, and especially especially on the offense. It just seems like guys are kind of coasting. And um, I agree, that is that is maybe the number one thing we need to see. Because, you know, another thing I said tomorrow is I, I just want to see this team at 100%. Then we can better assess what we need to do moving forward and who needs to be replaced. But if guys are going to be working at 50%, then I don't know. I don't know what needs to be better. You know, I mean, I don't know who's good and who's not because nobody wants to to put forth the best effort. But anyways, uh, we just got uh, well, a couple people called in recently. But let's take a break here, and uh, we'll get with some uh, Chris from Alabama. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. 
Hey, what's going on, Ryan? It's Chris from Alabama. Put up. Oh, we're just giving a call in, man. Cause, uh, it just seems like a lot of the fan base is, uh, I don't know, I don't know what to call it. I don't want to say delusional. I, I think we might be flirting, flirting with delusion a little bit with, with the, with the Jordan Love, uh, criticism or lack of criticism, whichever side you own. Me, um, I'm actually on the side of this does not look good. This is not going to work. And this, I mean, if things don't continue, I mean, we're going to be having to look for a quarterback. I mean, well, and that that's the thing that I think at the very least we need to have every 100% attendance and, and a 100% vote on on that. Can we all at least agree that if this level of play continues, he's not the guy? Because if we can't agree on that, then we're definitely dealing with delusion. Um, from there, we got to kind of elaborate a little bit, I, I suppose, on some things. But, I mean, that that's something we all should at least be able to agree on. Because, I mean, if if we can't even get there, then then we're just being silly. Jordan Love has been here. This is his fourth season. I get this is his first year starting. I get all of that. But at the same time, it's like, dude, you've been in the same system. Right. And been able to sit and learn for three years. So basically, this is your fourth year in a system that you've basically been in your whole career. Like, yeah, it's going to be things that you're going to make mistakes on or, you know, the quality of play is not going to be always up to par. But, I mean, to be honest, man, if you can't get this done... This year, I mean, it, that should be it. I mean, I know a lot of people saying, oh, well, he's going to get another year anyway. Uh, I, I'm not necessarily, I don't necessarily think that's the case. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the, I mean, I, I kind of came into this saying he's going to get a second year. Like, there's, there's very little chance that he's going to be so bad that he won't. But, but watching it happen, especially, like you said, because it's been so long, listen, there, there are certain things I think we can give you some leeway on, especially things like pressure. Now, I'm still going to be nervous if you can't handle pressure, but it's like you haven't really dealt with that much, at least not in a long time since since college, basically, on a consistent basis. But if you're starting to show cracks in things like, you know, not making the right reads and not making the right decisions, um, that's a problem because those are the things you absolutely get no slack on. You should know this offense inside and out, and those are the things that are starting to deteriorate. There's also just like accuracy. Like, that's a serious thing. And it's also one of those things that's not easily just coached into somebody. Like, you coach somebody up to understand an offensive system and how to read defenses and all that kind of stuff. If you're a rookie, then you kind of get a pass. Jordan Love does not get a pass on that. But things like accuracy are scary. And if your accuracy struggles once in a while, okay, fine. But if you had accuracy issues in college, and we've seen accuracy issues in, um, in training camp and in practice, and now it's been five straight games of accuracy issues, um... I'm sorry, but we at least have to have a discussion about maybe this isn't it. You know, I mean, if you can't handle pressure all year, then you have massive uh, accuracy issues. And then you're starting to struggle with the the one thing that you do seemingly really well, which is, you know, poison the pocket is, is another thing, I guess, um, that breaks down if there's pressure. Like, you don't handle it well. And um, 
being able to read defenses and throw like on time in rhythm all that stuff like if that starts to deteriorate as well i mean there's literally nothing else i don't know what else there is aside from you know your ability to break the pocket and make plays down the field but i'm sorry there there's there's a new crop of two three four guys every year coming out of college that have a baseline like i can run really fast and i mean most of them can't do anything else and aren't going to succeed but if that's all we care about we can find somebody else so um you know, I, again, I, I just think that there's there's urgency for him to prove he's the guy. And I think that's the other thing we should all agree on is we want him to be the guy. But we can't be just sleepwalking through this thing where it's like, eh, maybe he gets it, maybe he doesn't. It's only been five games. Maybe it takes another five or ten or twenty games. Maybe next year. Maybe not. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Maybe give him a third year. I'm sorry. We're not doing that. We're not, especially if we're so bad that we got a top five pick. I'm sorry, dude. I'm 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 looking at quarterback. If this continues and we, we are in range, that's that would be probably my pick. And it, it it's sad to say that because I like Jordan and I want what's best for Jordan, which would be giving him lots of money and him having success and, and being that third in line um, or fourth if you want to talk about you know uh, in the history of of just legendary quarterbacks. Um, it'd be great if it was him and and these young guys kind of growing together and everything else, but. I'm not going to sit here and do it for a fairy tale story. Like at the end of the day, I'm a Packer fan and I want the best of the best. And there's no position more important than quarterback. So, you know, I'm not the one making the decision. You don't have to be mad at me. I'm not the GM. I don't get to pull the trigger, but I have changed my mind on this insofar as he gets another year, basically automatically, unless it's a disaster to, I'm sitting here going right now, if he doesn't show massive improvement and fast, I think that's where we're at. So I think that's where, especially this week, you know, I mean, this is the buy. There is no buy. There's no big, like, moment you can look at and say, maybe at that point, that's when we expect something. No, it's right now. It's coming out of a bye week up against one of the worst teams in the entire NFL. This is your moment to turn that corner. This is it. Like, if, if you come out flat, and I I'm, you know, I mean, the team as a whole, yes, but you in particular, if you come out flat, I, I really, really am going to struggle. Um with with believing that this is going to be a thing. Because if you continue to play like this, and you've already been in the system for three years, and, and you, we can't even get an offense generated? I mean, what is the point of even playing you a whole nother year? You've been here. Yeah. I can see if you was a, a pure rookie coming in, and, you know, this is your very first year. You're starting, okay, struggling, okay. We're going to give him another year or two. Let's see what happened by year three. Like, you're, you're past that point. Well, and, that, and that's the thing, too. It's a good point. Like, what what is the thing you expect him to improve on from year four to year five? What's the thing that's going to grow? His accuracy? That doesn't make sense. He's been working on his accuracy for the last seven, eight years. Th- I mean, that's that's not... That's not something that you would just randomly expect to get better in like year seven. This is his opportunity to prove that that you know with his footwork and everything else he's he's really got. I mean, if you are bottom of the league in accuracy, I mean that is an unbelievably serious issue. What else is going to improve? His understanding of the offense? No, that's maxed out. What else is going to improve? His relationship with his receivers? Well, we're already going to be. This is already year two. We're going to give him until year three to see if his... And, and what does that even mean? Like, what's going to happen? His accuracy is just going to massively get better just because they've hung out in the offseason? 
I mean, we need to have some tangible expectation of what's going to get better and why. And it has to be something that wouldn't have gotten better without having played him. Right? It's not something that you can do like in the offseason, in your own time, or in practice, or, or preseason, or any of that kind of stuff. Like This is something that's on the job training. Like, what are those things that we expect him to improve at as he gets more snaps under his belt? I'm not saying there aren't a couple things. But, I mean, it's just, it's such a massive hill right now. It's not just one or two things that are a problem. I mean, based on the last two weeks, it's it's like every single thing you would expect from a quarterback or want from a quarterback, I'm not seeing it. Whereas before it was like there's a lot of good and a lot of bad and you just hope that those bad things get tightened up. You know, the accuracy tightens up and man, we got a thing going here. I, I just, there's, there's nothing left. But, I mean, if there, if there's a tangible path to, look... These things are great. These are a couple things that are off, and I think one more year can actually fix that. Fine. But what are those things? Right now, we're not in that position. Right now, with the issues, it's not a matter of one more year under his belt might fix this. That's not the issue whatsoever. I mean, granted, you haven't started, but you're past the point of being considered as a rookie. I think I'm, I'm with you, Ryan. I mean, this is not going to... It's not going to work, and my confidence level has dropped to around 25% of him being the guy. Not just not saying get rid of him or right. put in Sean Clifford right. or whatever, whatnot. I'm just saying that this type of play that we've been seeing for the past two weeks, really three, but we'll say two, this ain't going to work. Like, the offensive line ain't going to change that. The play calling ain't going to change that. Whatever's being called, you're going to have to execute whatever we need to execute. But my point is... Three minutes got him, but... Yeah, I mean, and, and, and you can't expect everything to be perfect, and I don't want a quarterback that everything needs to be perfect. Like, no, no, he has to have a top three offensive line, and then he'll be back to where he was before, where he was inaccurate, but we could win games as long as we were real good in the second half. I mean, it, it, the, the, the reality is it's been five games. Like, there, there has been five games where he has not done well enough. He's shown a lot of really good things in, in some of those games at certain times. But have we seen an execution from a quarterback over four quarters? No. And what did I say coming in? Consistency is the issue. Consistency is the issue. And it's been the issue in five out of five games through, the, through his entire first year. So no, I'm not. I'm not super jacked about that. Um, you know, if it's if it's once in a while, fine. I mean, a lot of quarterbacks struggle for a quarter here, a quarter there, or maybe even a half potentially. I guess I don't know. Uh, once in a while, sometimes they struggle for four whole quarters. But man, I, you got to expect at least once in a while they're going to put it together for a whole game. But we just we haven't seen that. So um, yeah, I mean he 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 should get the year. He's going to get the entire year. I don't want to replace him. I don't want to bench him. I don't want to go find some washed-up backup. I don't want to put in Sean Clifford. I want Jordan to finish out the year, and I want him to finish as strong as he possibly can so that we have as clear of an answer as we can possibly have. If you give it 100%, which is another reason for the whole all-gas-no-break thing, don't dumb it down so that anybody can execute some BS, just-throw-screen system and say, well, he did the best he could. No, all-gas-no-break and see if he can be the guy. Run the system you want to run, Matt, and see if he's the guy to run it, and let him either sink or swim. That's that's the best that I can I can think of. Um, 
because I don't want to spend another three years dumbing this down to see if we can maybe build it back up and see if he can be the guy. He, we've had time for that. He, he understands his system inside and out. He's got it intellectually, which is a great thing, by the way, but so does Matt LaFleur, but he can't go play quarterback. There's still, there's still a level of execution that needs to be put out there. And that's what's missing. It's not, it's not the intellect, it's the execution. So, um, yeah, well, we'll get to part two of Chris here. Chris from Alabama again, but uh, I forgot exactly where I was left off. But I just started here. Okay. We can say, can we, can we say, I'm sorry, can we say that Jordan Love has had a complete football game, a solid, complete right. first through exactly. fourth quarter football game this whole entire season? And I would have to say no. The closest game would be that Bears game, but it was kind of clunky. They started off cool, then it got clunky in the middle, and then the second half just came out, just came out and played lights out. But since that Bears game, Jordan Love hasn't put a complete game together. He hasn't all year, but he right. definitely hasn't come close to putting a complete game together ever since. And I want to compare because I, I was going to compare it to Robert's first year, but I, I was like, you know what? If I do that, a lot of people are going to be like, oh, that's Aaron Rodgers. You can Aaron Rodgers. How dare you? Not the same quarterback. One's an Hall of Fame. One's first-year starter. Okay, granted. We ain't even going to go there. I'm going to I'm gonna compare Jordan Love, who was a first-year starter, to another first-year starter that is a, a pure rookie, C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud's numbers on the year. He had 1,660. Passing yards, nine touchdowns, one pick, and a pick he just threw in this past Sunday. Quarterback rating of 55.5, which is like 14 in the league, so he's, he's middle of the pack. Jordan Love has 1,083 passing yards, eight touchdowns, six picks with a quarterback rating of 43, which is like 23rd in the league. Jordan Love is a four-year pro. C.J. Stroud is a first-year starter, first-year player, period. And C.J. Stroud, from the couple of games that I've watched, I look at C.J. Stroud and say, you know what? Houston, as bad as they are, and as much work as they got, since they got their quarterback. So I think I've seen enough of boys in the pocket making plays and all that. I can say that they pretty much got a quarterback. But if he was to struggle the rest of the season, I would be like, okay, he's a pure rookie. Year two, he should improve. Year three, I mean, we have seen flashes, I give you that. But the complete percentage has been under 6%. Every every game is for one. You can't throw the ball accurately down the field. It seems like you don't have the arm to get the ball down the field. You, you It's miscommunication, whether it's, it's either wide receivers or his fault, I'm not sure. We, we, we're just seeing inconsistencies all across the board, and, and that has to improve. And me, and me, got cut off again. But that—that's kind of an interesting thing. I, I'm looking at it. Um, if we looked at like rookies who he actually compares to, the the best comp I think for this year would be Anthony Richardson. Now he got hurt. He's only played in four games, but 577 yards, three touchdowns, one pick, 56.5 passing grade via PFF. That's pretty similar to what we are getting from Jordan Love. Um, 
and and even the the week to week grades, it's fifties and sixties every single week. However, Anthony Richardson's highest passing grade and highest overall grade week two against Houston is higher than anything Jordan's had this year. If we look at twenty twenty two, the closest comp is Skylar Thompson. Now, touchdown to interception, he was two touchdowns, five picks, which is worse, obviously, but um, he had 754 yards, two touchdowns, five picks, and a 59.1 PFF grade. Now, he had two games that were significantly worse than what we've seen from Jordan. Well, actually, only one game, which was a 22, but he also had two really good games, week six and week 18. Again, Jordan has zero. 2021, you know who he compares to, just as far as like his passing grade? Closest to? Justin Fields. Fields had 1,870 yards, 7 touchdowns, 10 picks, and a 61 PFF passing grade. Next closest would be Davis Mills, who had uh, 2,600 yards, 16 touchdowns, 10 picks, and a 59 grade. I mean, these are not like super great comps. If you look back at the 2020 class, and let's just do weeks 1 through 5, where did where did these guys rank? Well, Jalen Hurts had not played very much, but he was... Um, one attempt, one completion, 18 yards, 70 PFF grade. I'm just looking at passing. Justin Herbert was um, 1,195 yards, nine touchdowns, three picks. Joe Burrow was 1,304 yards, six touchdowns, three picks. The passing grades were 73 and 72. 2019, weeks one through five. Closest comp is probably Kyler Murray. 2018, closest comp is either Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen. I mean, if we look at rookies that actually went on to do something, I mean, Carson Wentz had 1,000 yards, seven touchdowns, and one pick. Dak Prescott had 1,240 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. Their passing grades were 90 for Carson Wentz and 76 for Dak. So, I mean, it's just, it's not great. You know, generally, even even early on, good quarterbacks as rookies tend to perform at a higher level than what we're seeing. And that's without three years sitting on the bench learning from Matt LaFleur and, and Matt LaFleur's system behind Aaron Rodgers. So it's not to say, I mean, we can do the Josh Allen thing. You know where Josh Allen was? He was 748 yards, two touchdowns, five interceptions, and a 48 passing grade. He will forever be, everybody's everybody who's a fan of a quarterback who's struggling will immediately go to Josh Allen. And it's true, Josh Allen has turned that around. But that's not the norm. That's not. It's just, it's most of the time when you compare bad to bad, it's with somebody that's bad. And if you look at the good quarterbacks and how they started, it was a much stronger start. All right, last one. I hope to get everything I'm trying to get off uh, on this phone call. But I'm not, and I know you're not, a lot of people are not just saying, okay, well, Jordan Miller playing like trash, get him out of here, cut him immediately, put Sean Clifford in for the rest of the year. No. I mean, do we, does he have time to turn it around? Absolutely. Only thing that I feel like, only thing I know that I'm pointing out is that's not going to work. The level of play that we have saw in the last two weeks is not going to work. You not being able to throw the ball down the field accurately is not going to work. All this stuff that's going on with the, the interceptions in this last game, like all three of those were Jordan Love's fault. Like, it's not going to work. Like, it's, it's stuff, some stuff. You should know not to do that you're doing. And I mean, it's not going to work. Do you have time to turn it around? Sure. You ain't got too much time to turn it around, but you do have time to turn it around. And I, and I think a lot of the fan bases now, it's, it's like we're grabbing excuses for the offensive line falling. Okay, right, the offensive line gave up a, a lot of pressures in that game. They only gave up, what, two sacks? One or two sacks. Most of the time you weren't pressured. 
if you repress a certain percent of the time, it means 70% of what clean. What happened to others, others 70% of the time? Like, we couldn't get nothing generating in the past game, period. It just it has to change. And my opinion, you got this year to get it together and show that you're a a company quarterback. You ain't got to be Aaron Rodgers. You got to be Patrick Mahomes. Can you be Alex Smith? Can you be Alex Smith? Can you be uh, a person that can get 10 yards at a time, limit your mistakes, and move the ball down the field, whether it's dinking and dunking or whatever? Can you be Alex Smith? Like, can you be a game manager? That's it. That's all you need to do. Limit the mistakes. It has to be done this year, I feel like. I don't I don't feel like it's an automatic, oh, he's going to play next year anyway, so why bother Bill? I feel like if you can't show that you can move an offense down the field consistently, you're going to have to look elsewhere. I mean, y'all kill me for it. That's just my opinion. I'm not all the way out, but like I said, I got 25% that he's going to be the guy. But what I've been saying, it, it looks like a no-go. But I'm about to run out of time again, so I'm going to go ahead and end it there. I got a couple more tapes I'm going to hold in my back pocket for later on. The most stuff that I see, but I'm going to hold it. So go back, go, and I'll Yeah, the thing that most of us said last year, which a lot of people got mad about, is if you can just be a mediocre quarterback, if you can play up to the level that Rodgers played at, which everybody hated that because how dare you call him mediocre. But he was. He was, you know, mediocre um, at best. I mean, I think PFF was the most flattering, and they had him like 11th or 12th or something. But even just say like 15th or 16th. C.J. Stroud is ranked 15th as far as his passing grade. Justin Herbert is 16th. If you could do that, I think we'd have a good offense. Jordan Love is ranked 26th right now. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stand by that. If, if you can play up to, you know, let's say Jimmy Garoppolo in Las Vegas, who ranks 18th, we might have a chance. If you can play up to, like, Dak Prescott, who's 12th, which is, you know, around where Rodgers was last year, or Jalen Hurts, who's 11th right now, I would say we have a chance. I'm not asking you to be, you know, Josh Allen. It's such a weird year. I'm so used to seeing, like, the same guys at the top every single year where it's like, you know, um, Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes. It's Tua, then Jared Goff, then Josh Allen, then Lamar, uh, Matt Stafford, Kirk Hutt. It's, like, such a weird year for quarterbacks. But anyways, again... Just show us mediocre, and let's see what happens. Show us that you can be a game manager, because right now you're not even a game manager. And that's a very serious thing that is, in my opinion, should not afford you another year. Like, you are sandwiched between Sam Howell and Josh Dobbs. That's where he's at. Two spots ahead of Daniel Jones, three spots ahead of Zach Wilson. That's, (laughs) I mean, that speaks for itself unacceptable, especially when you factor that in with not a single good game yet this year via PFF. And I I really think you would struggle to argue against that. Good moments, sure, but a good game? Mm, I don't know. Let's take one more break. We'll be right back with Daniel from California. Hey, Ryan, Daniel from California. What's up? Yeah, I haven't called in a while. Everybody's you know, trying to add excuses for Jordan Love and everything that's been going on the last couple of weeks. And as the resident Jordan Love homer, the last two weeks, everything we've seen, it's uh, you know a lot of it 
It's just Jordan Love getting panicked by pressure that isn't enough to affect the rhythm of the game. He's getting off his spot, and he's not anticipating and throwing in time because he's he's getting a little shook by his line, but he right. has enough time to carry out the throw. I agree. I don't know why he's getting happy feet. And, and again, I, I criticize Rodgers for this. I mean, this is, it's it's not, you know, this isn't like a team thing, like I'm anti-Rodgers and pro-Jordan or whatever. No, it's, it's when when I started seeing Rodgers do this, where he starts panicking, when he doesn't need to, like, you know, somebody starts, he feels somebody on his left side and he starts getting happy feet and bouncing around and dropping his eyes like, Ugh. bro, keep your eyes downfield. That's where the play is. It's down there. Like, I, I, it's easy for me to say, but look, you're an NFL quarterback. That's your job, Right. I mean, you can get pissy about it if you go, well, could you do it? No, I couldn't do surgery either, but I still expect the freaking guy that's cutting me open to know how to do it. Anyways, um, he's just, he's not showing that. And and you're right, I mean, that there is, you expect everybody to struggle more under pressure, but there's still a a caliber of play that is positive with pressure. And some quarterbacks can do it and some can't. And, and again, even comparing Jordan to other quarterbacks under pressure He's underperforming. Say, well, he's just seeing a lot of pressure. Okay, what if we just say everybody has 100% pressure? Where does he rank? Where does his passing grade rank when under pressure? Do you know where it is? 33rd out of 35 quarterbacks. Only Daniel Jones and Gardner Minshew grade worse under pressure. So, I mean, pressure is a reality in the NFL. And if this is how bad it's going to be when you're under pressure, that's I mean, do you understand how monumental the changes need to be. It's it's one thing that while you're overreacting and it's just a couple games and this, that, or the other, I don't know if you're understanding the magnitude of how bad this is. And it's not just because, well, the offensive line did this and there was a drop in, in the game and da-da-da. It's like, he is so far away from being the guy right now. It's kind of like if, you, if, you, um, if you've taken, well, let, let, let's just say there's 17 tests that you're going to take and that's 100% of your grade is those 17 tests. And through five tests of the 17 you currently have an f we're getting to the point where you have to kind of ace the last few tests in order for you to pass the class and skate by with a c uh, you know I, tom uh tom clemens he said he you know jordan loves a good player and he's you know he's an excellent quarterback though so we've got to wait it out man you know the, the receivers are young i still think that they're they're you know most of the time, they're in the right spot. He just needs to get back in rhythm, and we just need to set up stuff to get Love's confidence going early because we're doing trick plays and stuff that guys have only run a couple times, and just you know, just not setting him up for success. He needs to get a couple checkdowns, even if it's three and out checkdown. You got a couple completions under your belt. Yeah, it's like oh, I could do this, right? But I, uh, he, you know, he's. There's, there's there's almost always an option, you know, like two or three steps in, and for some reason he's not he's not hitting the throw just because he's getting to a spot where he's supposed to set and and throw and he's just he's not doing it and I don't I don't I don't get why he's rushing or panicking, you know, the last two weeks. I don't know if, if the Lions just shook him that much or it's split into the next week, but you know who knows. I don't think Rasheed's playing bad. I really like what Rasheed's doing. For him being a seventh rounder and what he's filled in and what he's provided, he's solid. 
All right, he could build on that. The line isn't as bad as everybody's acting like they are. I think the line is playing, you know, starting caliber football because everybody has a, you know, middle of the pack lineman in a bunch of different spots. It's just, you know, our two top guys, Elton and Zach Tomer, they're a little shook up, so it just makes it look a little worse. But I think I think we just got to play some more games. That's all I got. Go Pack Go. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I, I, I've been a believer in the offensive line based on years of evidence, but, um, you know, we got two in a row. I mean, you know, the last week was significantly better than two weeks ago or whatever, not including the bye. Um, but if we get three weeks in a row of, you know, 30% pressure rate, you know, we, we, we first of all, I have to look at Jordan Love and see, you know, is he holding the ball too long? That'll be one thing that could be adding to it. But if not, then we got to start looking at some other things in terms of what the heck is going on with the offensive line. But yeah, I I, I agree that the offensive line, for the most part, is is good enough. Um, I think Rashid is is good, all things considered, but is not the starter moving forward. I think we need to address that and try to find a uh, uh, you know a David Bakhtiari replacement, at least as far as as close to that as you can get. That's pretty unreasonable expectation to get a David Bakhtiari, but you're going to try to get as good of a tackle as you can in that premium position. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, we, we just take it for what it is. I think some of us are in different spots in terms of assessing where we're at right now. But, um, you know, we got to start uh, moving on to next week and, and, taking that information and we'll see what happens. I mean, if the team comes out and balls out, we got some different information and we can start talking about, okay, you know, if, if that continues and I think we got the guy or, you know, whatever the case may be, if, if it's a bad week, then, you know, I, I, we've discussed that at length, what that could possibly mean, but you know, you got a bye week. So a lot of time to really marinate on, on a low point, which is unfortunate. I mean, it's a really bad time to have a bye week because it really just, that's what we're all sitting on. You know, we're not thinking about the Bears game very much. We're not sitting here talking about how awesome that was. You know, we're strictly talking about last week and maybe a little bit the week before. So, again, just hopefully we get some new information and something else to marinate on after uh, we absolutely destroy the Broncos, which is what I'm going to say is going to happen for now because I don't know any different. Hey, Ryan, it's Garrett. What's up? I'll try to uh, elaborate with more detail on my point so that I don't get eviscerated like I did on my last call. Um, by the way, I'm not trying to be, I feel like sometimes I get a little heavy handed, but I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to really emphasize what it is that I'm saying. If I feel like maybe we're not seeing eye to eye on what exactly my position is. So I, I, I don't want to eviscerate anyone or, or be rude about it or discourage people from calling in. So I apologize if I'm being a little heavy handed with the, uh, the arguments, because it, it is to some degree a little unfair. I mean, I, I it, it is sort of like an argument, but it's a little one-sided because you can't respond and I can and I get to I get to win all the battles because it's kind of, you know, I don't know. It is what it is. Point number one, uh, I heard from one another TV show or YouTube video, I can't remember which one, um, somebody brought up the fact that LaFleur does not script the first 15 calls for the game, for offense. And like a, probably a lot of people, you've grown used to hearing that, you know, the first 15 plays are scripted so the offense can know the plays inside and out, know what to expect, and 
make adjustments on the fly if necessary, but it at least allows the team to have some, what I would think, consistency and, you know, knowledge of what is expected for the first few drives. And somebody came out and said that LaFleur doesn't do that. He just calls it, he just calls the, the plays by the seat of his pants, apparently, according to how the defenses are setting up or whatever. So, it begs to, you know, I just wonder why you wouldn't do that with a quarterback that doesn't have any experience uh, that you wouldn't script the first 15 plays. So that's point number one. Point number two. Well, I, I haven't heard that. I mean, it, that is the title of, of Clayton's podcast, so maybe that's where you heard it, or else he also heard it and is going to elaborate on it. So I will uh, kind of defer until I kind of listen a little bit more in depth on what exactly we're talking about with that. Um the only immediate thoughts I have are, are, number one, it does seem relatively intuitive to me. I know everybody kind of scripts the first few plays, but um, it, it does seem kind of silly to me to kind of blindly forge ahead with, with certain plays, regardless of what the defense is doing. Um, but I, I get what you're saying in terms of, you know, if you like heavily practice a certain series of plays, it makes it more likely that you're going to successfully execute those plays. So it kind of makes sense. But I think the larger point is it's it's to me it's such a small like I I would happily concede that because it doesn't it doesn't mean anything like it doesn't change in my opinion the calculus of anything you know like he doesn't script those play okay so the first drive is Matt Lafleur's fault cool what about the rest of the game <laughs> so I you know again I'll I'll just give you that one because it it just it's it's such a small thing in my mind it, in, in comparison to the overall picture. Someone also mentioned that the game or the week leading into the game against Las Vegas, they didn't practice in pads at all that week. So my point lately, or my criticism of of Lafleur, the for the most part, has been that he his coaching style comes off soft, mm-hmm. and the team comes off soft. Um, and I'm beginning to wonder if it is just the culture that they're they're coaching into the team, or just how they're allowing them to practice. To, to see that you don't even practice in pads at all, that these guys aren't even hitting each other a little bit. I understand trying to keep everybody healthy, but I think there's a fine line of being physical and being protective of your players. So I'm just wondering where you come down on that. I'm out. Well, I, I haven't heard that either. I don't know anything about them not practicing in pads. I don't know what the standard is in terms of how many times you do it in pads and don't. Um my most recent assessment of things or where I kind of thought we were all at is maybe we were pushing it a little bit too hard and that's why there's injuries and everybody was mad about maybe going a little bit too hard, going full speed, putting too much time in uh, because there were, there are too many, you know, look at all the hamstring injuries and everything. Um, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of the situation with, you know, the, on one hand it's too complex and Matt LaFleur is an idiot for, for being so complex. And on the other hand, the, the offense looks too boring. It's like, well, those two things can't exactly coexist. You can't be mad about both. You got to pick one and accept the other. And so, you know, again, it's like, well, we need to fire the training staff and also we need to be training harder. You know, I mean, I'm not saying you're saying both of those, but you got to pick one and, and kind of live with the other. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I mean, there's certainly questions about, my my only defense of Matt LaFleur was the play calling because from what I saw it was working in terms of preparation I'm I'm it's hard to to know that that's a problem other than to just speculate because things aren't working again it's same with like the play calling it's easy to to say the play calling isn't working because the plays aren't working 
Um, but you don't really know unless you actually look at it. I don't know if there's a problem with preparation. Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. I, I could certainly see how we get from A to B, though. Um, and then if we see an example of things that we feel like are not great preparation, we can use that as additional ammunition to, to back that up. Um, and yeah, I mean, I've, I've been kind of critical of that myself in terms of the softness of the team, in terms of guys not being prepared, coming out of buys or traveling or whatever the case may be, whether that's true or not, I don't, I don't really know at this point. It seems to kind of be falling by the wayside in terms of how often that's happening. Again, we're two and zero coming out of a buy the last two years. We'll see about this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that, that could be a contributing factor into why the execution has been lackluster or why the intensity has been lower. I, I and, and, you know, it, it's, it's such a bigger thing for me to speculate based on just, just hearing it now, because if they are doing that, why are they doing that? Is, is it because there's been a, a high level of injuries, um, and they want to reduce the injuries? Is it because maybe they want guys that are like limited to be able to participate and they wouldn't be able to if they put on pads. I mean, I, it would be one of the things where I'd, I'd love to be able to have somebody in the media ask, you know, uh, why, and then try to hear why and, and, and then see if the rationale is reasonable because I, I don't think it's, he's doing it be, just because he's an idiot or because he wants to be soft or weak or whatever. I'm sure there's a reason. It's just a matter of what is the reason and, and do we think that that's a reasonable reason? Um, so I can't really speculate beyond that. I don't, I have no idea if that's true or why that would be happening or whatever. So I don't know, but yeah, maybe. Okay. So they say hindsight's 2020 and, uh, today is the 17th. I'm looking back at this last week, including Monday night's game and how the Niners without their running back and without Debo. So they were out with, without Christian McCaffrey. Samuel Devo, or Devo Samuels, I'm sorry. Their offense looks pretty terrible because that defense was able to tee off and go after Purdy. It looked very similar to the effectiveness of how Love has looked. When a team can't run the ball and they've got weapons that they've lost, uh, that offense looked pretty similar to me. And San Francisco looked very vulnerable. Um. What I'm curious also is about Cleveland. Whatever Cleveland did to San Francisco, I sure hope that Barry was paying attention. Then, uh, you know, the Eagles lost. Buffalo should have lost. A lot of these teams that should be playing as, like, juggernauts and just dominating, they all have their bad games, but they also bounce back. Right. So I'm kind of curious how these teams will bounce back next week, if they can, or do we start seeing just a an offensive uh, dismal performance from a lot of these teams because it just was practically unwatchable for most of these games. And then then the Jets go and win another game. I'm like, quit that. <laughs> we need that second-round pick to be the best of them all. So uh, somebody needs to remind that quarterback that uh, he stinks. I'm out. Yeah, I, I, and I don't think this is necessarily your point, but I, I it does feel like there's almost a defensive either a defensive resurgence in terms of, you know, there's kind of a cyclical thing. Maybe defenses are really picking up on on a lot of the offensive teams um, and, and the way that they play, or or it's just sort of coincidentally a lot of offensive teams are struggling because, yeah, you watch the Eagles kind of take their bumps and bruises, and they're not – I mean, I even just pointed out how Jalen Hurts went from being like a top-three quarterback to now he's like 12th, and they haven't – I mean, they're still very good, obviously, but 
you're starting to see not as much of a juggernaut. And then the 49ers were an absolute juggernaut. And then look what happened to them. Um, and uh, the Chiefs just have not been themselves all year. And, um, you know, there's speculation as to why that is juju or whatever the case may be. But there, there just hasn't been, you know, Buffalo, another one, where it's like, where is that just consistent powerhouse team? And um, it just hasn't been out there. But, yeah, to your point, I mean, good teams have bad games. That's that's a reality. I think I kind of start off tomorrow's podcast talking about that, where there's a difference between anomalies, where good teams have bad games, good players have bad games, and consistently bad performance. And... um you know, I, I don't want to lump in the Packers with the 49ers because, well, look, see, they had a bad day and we had a bad day, so it's it's we shouldn't be overreacting. Well, no, it's not the bad day. I mean, if we had dominated four weeks and then had one bad game, I'd be the one sitting here saying, you guys need to chill out. The problem is that's not the case. We've lost three in a row. And um, the first two weren't necessarily pretty. I mean, we eviscerated the, the Bears, but there's still the whole issue with not coming out in an entire half and doing anything um so yeah i don't know we'll we'll have to see as we go along it's it's making uh the the betting side of things really complicated because you never know what you're going to get from week to week you assume bounce backs but you just don't know right especially with injuries like joe burrow and the Bengals. like it you assume they're going to bounce back but the injury is kind of an issue and then the 49ers well their injuries and there, there has been a lot of injuries this year i don't know if it's actually more or if it just seems to be more but that obviously could contribute if you got a lot of playmakers not on the field like Christian McCaffrey or or you know quarterbacks or whatever the case may be. I hate to say the Bears, but Justin Fields probably hurts offensive production a little bit for the Bears and the NFL as a whole. Um, there's going to be less playmaking ability, but yeah, I mean it's just it just and we, and we lost a lot of quarterbacks. I mean Aaron Rodgers is out, uh, Tom Brady retired, Drew Brees is out. I mean a lot of the guys that were the big movers and shakers, Matt Ryan. I mean either they're out or they're just not in their prime anymore. Um, I think that's really had an effect on on the play in the NFL. And then you got the young guys where, again, Pat Mahomes is there, but he's struggling, and Joe Burrow's hurt. And, like, two is the guy, but, you know, I don't know. Miami is, is, is not quite the juggernaut that they were a couple weeks ago. Still, still a very good offensive team, but, you know. So, yeah, it's interesting, and um, it just kind of makes the NFL – you know, you mentioned unwatchable, which to some degree it, it it kind of takes some of the enjoyment out, but it's also kind of exciting because it's a little bit up for grabs. You know, um, it's kind of like a dynasty where the 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 king has has died and everyone's kind of fighting for for position and jockeying for position. So, I mean, there there is potential here, and that's why it, for for me, that's part of the reason there's urgency. You know, we need to find the right pieces. We have to make sure we have the right coach. Right, the, the right coaches, the right GM, and the right quarterback are the most important thing, and then the rest will figure out. And I think the fan base as a whole generally agrees that at least one of those things needs to be replaced, or at least it needs to start improving immediately. But I, I don't want this to be a two, three, four-year evaluation process. Let's let's have some serious answers by the end of this year would be my preference. But anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. Um, I cannot guarantee you a Packernet after dark because we're pretty well caught up. We just got two calls left. So if you have them, get them in. Otherwise, I'll talk to you when I can. Well, tomorrow for the podcast. But for Packernet after dark, we'll see. You guys have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye.